Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So, hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. Today is the third in our series on the theme of Practices for Awakening, and this is no better presented than in the book that we're going to be discussing today. It's titled, I am God in Disguise and So Are You. That's a great unity title, isn't it? The author Craig Colavo is a writer, activist, spiritual revolutionary, and furniture maker, I just found out before the the show started. And he's dedicated to helping others uh, come to realize the sleeping giant of spirit within them. So it's a pleasure to welcome Craig to today's show. Glad, glad you're with us. Welcome. Oh, Paul, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, have this chat with you and share a little bit of my message with your audience. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. You know, as this show airs, of course, um, the world's in the midst of the uh, the COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic, right? And, and mm. we as uh, the people of this world are concerned, you know, how does this book um, help us deal with the fear and the panic and the overwhelm that is prevalent today and seems to be getting more and more so, right? And the world has been in a kind of turmoil for many years now, you know, what with the climate change and the political situation and, and exactly. many other many other things. But now we got this to deal with as well. So, yeah. so how, how do we, I want, you know, I want to be um, sensitive to our listeners who may be listening in uh, during this time. And, uh, you know, because some people listen today, some will be on um, archives, but it looks like this Corona thing is going to go on for a while. You know, what, what's, what, what advice can we give that's helpful here? Well, you know, there's a, I believe there's a universal law that says everything happens for a reason. Right. And, you know, in every adversity lies seeds of, of wisdom. Un- unfortunately, Paul, it does take time for those seeds to bloom. You know, it's, it's not an instant gratification where we know immediately why something happened. But f- for me personally, for my wife and I, for my family, you know, we're kind of looking at at this challenging time as as a as a time to be mindful. You know, it's kind of forcing us to be mindful to to kind of look at how our interactions affect others on on a lot of different levels. And although we're we're being told not to touch people, you know, literally or or physically. You know, there are other ways. I mean, this might be a good time to 
learn how to get involved in your local food banks. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who live paycheck to paycheck that are really going to be affected by this. So, you know, there's, I'm sure that there's tons of ways where you can be mindful and look for, if you haven't already, you know, this might be a way to reflect and look for opportunities uh, to help in the community. Also, also just, um, I don't know, to, to, to re take time to slow down stillness. You know, we, we're all multitasking and the world seems to be moving so fast. You know, maybe this is for a time for us to just slow down and reflect and, and hey, buy a new book. <laughs> right. And, you know, I think that's an important aspect of this, you know, is that we go from one thing to the next, even if we're not multitasking or rushing like some are, you know, even if we think we've got some kind of a, a practice here and we're fairly good at doing that, we're still going, you know, from, from the next event to the next event. And when we can't do that anymore, you know, when we're invited to stay at home or whatever, most of the time, you know, we get this opportunity to stop the, the series, right? The series of events and, and take a break, um, and begin to look differently at things. You know, we can't do that anymore. So what can we do? And I think this can be salutary, actually. You know, it's it's powerful because it's forcing us to to focus in a different direction, right? And uh, that that can be helpful sometimes. So it's like you know when you go on a retreat or whatever, you get a chance to cut off from your normal routine, so, so you can really go a little deeper. And we're, so we're all on our own spiritual retreats here, if you like. Yeah, um, exactly. This, this, this opportunity to. Um, maybe look at life a little differently and and what are our priorities you know what do we hold dear um what are the key elements of our lives rather than just being caught up in the, in the rush you know because and it's hard isn't it it's hard to stop the um you know the desire to go out to eat for instance you know um people i know some people are still trying to eat out and stuff like that and uh eventually i guess they're gonna have to shut the they have in some places i think shut the restaurants down or, except for takeout you know to prevent people from you know habitually doing the patterns that are no longer gonna gonna serve us right so it's, it's hard and you talk about that in the book you know it's it's you've got you have this plan for transformation right from going uh, from your you know ego-based life to a spirit-based life uh, that requires uh, surrender so hard though isn't it to surrender to something uh, different you know because we are habitually used to dealing with life a certain way we, we don't want to surrender because we feel that maybe i'll lose everything right this this, this doesn't sound like a good deal to surrender what's that mean right right so I, I think we resist surrender. You know, I, I believe, Paul, that we all share collectively as human beings. I think we all share the same purpose in life. And that is that is to discover the divine within, to, to surrender to that power, to be aware of it is not enough. I mean, I think all traditional religions in some way, you know, talk about, or promise a relationship with the divine, right? You know that that's a good starting point, but that's not enough. You you really need to surrender to that power. I was I was studying Yogananda, uh, some of Yogananda's teachings, and I love this quote from him. I paraphrase. He he said something like, "When you discover this this river of divine energy that flows through you, you need to you need to jump into this river and drown yourself." 
And, you know, that's what surrender is all about. It's literally saying, you know, I devote myself to you. I'm going to let you lead from now on. And yeah, you know, that can be scary. I, I want to say I discovered, I made the discovery or I became a seeker, you know, when I was about 30 years old, but I'm embarrassed to say it took me about 20 years before I can say I, I was ready to let go and surrender. And I, I actually made a short list of what some of my favorite excuses were because, you know, it really bugged, it bugged me that, that it took me so long and, and I, I really want to be able to teach my kids, for example, and others, you know, to, to get to that place of surrender quicker, sooner than later. And um, I, I think my number one excuse to answer your question, why don't we surrender, would be just fear of change. I mean, it could be scary, right? Um, you know, my, my self-talk for, for decades, you know, was... Yeah, sure. You know, life can be a struggle, but at least it's safe and predictable. Right. So, so I'm for me at least, I can only speak personal experience. You know, that was that was my biggest reason before I was really able to let go. Um, I guess another was um, it's just the, the simple truth is it's easier to be a victim. So you know, to be a conscious player in this game of life, you know, is what I call it in the book is very, very powerful, but we must take responsibility for everything we've created in our world. And a lot of us, Paul, are, we're just not willing to do that. It's easier to say we're a victim and that's why, you know, we see what we see in our lives. Right. Very good. Um, and then I'm sure we've all heard that, you know, to be on our spiritual path, we need to give up all of our stuff. And this, this was a big one for me because I have worked my butt off, you know, for decades, you know, you know, going, you know, trying to build a, a successful life and, and, you know, to have, you know, the physical rewards that come with that. And, you know, there is nothing further from the truth, you know, to, to be on the spiritual path, you do not need to give up your stuff. The universe wants us all to be abundant. I, do you know who Wayne Dyer is? Uh, yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. I, I went to see Wayne Dyer speak. He, he was one of my favorite authors and I, and I loved it. After he got done with his talk, um, he took some Q and a from the audience and someone raised their hand and they questioned his wealth because he was very successful and abundant guy. And he was, oh, I loved his answer. He was, he was very, very unapologetic. And he just simply said, yes, I, I am abundant. He said, I have, I have a home in Maui where I do most of my writing. I also have a house in California. He's like, my wife and kids live in our big home in, in Florida, you know, during most of the winter. He said, the universe wants us to be abundant. Even the Gita teaches I've got a little quote right here. Evil lies only in the misuse of the powers and product of nature. Enjoyment of this abundance, when free from attachment, will be expressed in noble achievements. So I guess those were my three biggest reasons why I resisted surrender. I didn't want to give up my stuff. All the experts were telling me I had to give up my stuff. And uh, I was kind of afraid to to jump, you know. I was fear of change. 
Right. Well, in the the, the Bhagavad Gita quote there, you know, um, has that key word, doesn't it? Attachment, right? Um, mm. It's it's not so much giving up our stuff as much as uh, get, releasing our attachment to the things, right? If the, if the things own us rather than we owning them, then we are attached, right? And, and mm -hmm. uh, th this is the difficulty. So I, I think there is that need to release, you know, you know, attachment to things because to put them in the rightful place. It's similar to what you talk about, you know, in terms of the ego. You know, you call it the the bodyguard. Mm -hmm. And the bodyguard is is helpful, you know, in our lives as long as it's a servant, right? But once it becomes a, a master, it, it, we got a problem here. Uh, <laughs> right. in, it, in its right relation, you know, to the sleeping giant, the spirit within us, um, it, it makes a fine bodyguard. It takes care of us, you know. It makes us r drive down the street on the right side. It it keeps us healthy, you know, etc. Mm -hmm. But once it becomes this this monster, then, then we've got a problem. I think it's the same with money. You know, if we, if we, if we worship money, we've got a problem. As you mentioned in the book, you cannot serve two masters. Jesus said this, you know, you, you are, you either uh, focus on God or mammon, right? But mm -hmm. Jesus also said, when, when you do focus on God, you know, when you seek first the kingdom, all things you need will be given to you. So it, I think it's the right relation of, of the flow of good. I think Wayne understood that, right? He, he used his uh, wealth in, in in ways that were you know beneficial not just to him but to th millions of people because you know his his writings uh, had a transformative effect on, on many so so you know there he was in um, a dharma if you like a righteous place i think and that that's important i got to tell you craig i was at a, a dinner with a couple of professors the, recently and um, they uh, one of them uh, found out that i was a unity minister and um, and assumed that I was into the prosperity gospel, you know, and um, right. which, which, which unfortunately, you know, has got all out bad publicity lately. You know, these people who are making huge amounts of money, these ministers and whatnot. And uh, I think it was all over for our conversation because it's. She assumed I was one of those, you know. And I tried right. to explain. Well, that's not where I'm coming from. But uh, I think it was a bad taste in her mouth about uh, you know the prosperity gospel. And we do see egregious, uh, you know, evidence of of this, don't we? In certain um, televangelists or whatnot. So I I understand why people can be upset about it. But as we say in Unity, and as you say in your book, you know, we we are. Um, destined to be um, abundantly blessed, right? This is a universe of opulence and, and abundance, and uh, we can claim that good. Exactly, exactly. And 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 again, you know, the the power and the products of nature. You know, there's so much abundance, and unfortunately, you know, a, a greedy few, you know, ruin it for many. Um, but hey, you know what? We got to start somewhere, and I'm really, really hoping that the simple message in my book might inspire others. And before I forget, Paul, and I and I often I I normally save this for the end, but then we run out of time. I want to just mention that 100% of my ebook proceeds are going to go to or are going to, I should say, water.org. And this is just a fabulous organization. They were they were started uh, 20 years ago by uh, Matt Damon, the actor. And what they do when, when I was looking when I was looking, I really wanted to give back to the community, give back to the world. And um, 
when I was looking for, you know, as you can, as you can imagine, there's a lot of worthy organizations out there that, that give food, shelter, clothing to those in need. But there's a time where charity alone is not enough. And that's where water.org is really different. It kind of reminds me of that, that old quote from uh, Lao Tzu. You can give a man a fish and feed him for a day or teach a man to fish and feed him for a lifetime. And, and that's what they're doing. They're going into these communities. Don't get me wrong. It has nothing to do with fish. They go into these communities and they are teaching people. They have feet on the ground and resources and they're, you know, they're setting people up with micro loans to build their own, you know, water wells and plumbing systems and, you know, sanitation, I mean, uh, bathrooms and restrooms. So um, I don't know. It, it's kind of crazy that the year is 2020 and we're still talking about so many people in the world who don't have access to safe water and a toilet. Uh, you know, it's just a simple human dignity. And uh, I just wanted to... Uh, to uh, make share, you know, shine a little awareness on that that organization uh, with your audience. Absolutely, and folks, you can check it out. What is it? Water.org. Find out more about what they do. And I agree with you, Craig. I think it's important. Uh, it's a similar to the discovery versus the implementation, right? You can discover mm -hmm. the truth, but then there's a long journey to how do I actually live it fully in my life? And it's the same with charity. It's one thing to give. Uh, which is always a good thing to give. But then, uh, you know, how is that affecting people? You know, how, how can we turn the giving into real transformation for people? And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's great when there's organizations that are that are doing that. Um, I had a gentleman on my show a few months ago, and, and he set up 61 uh, HIV AIDS clinics in um, in Africa, in Kenya and, and Tanzania. And, uh, you know, being inspired to do that, um, uh, but but he was very much hands on with it, and it, it was uh, educating people, not not just throwing money at people, you know. It, and I love that because that's where the real real change happens. Um, and uh, you know, there's numerous organizations out there that do this. Um, so we, you know, if you're inspired, folks, uh, you know, check out water.org, but also check out all the thousands of other organizations that exist. Um, that could be helpful uh, in transforming our world. And it, it happens right where we are, right? There's organizations in our own city. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I'm very involved with a, a place called Tandy Hills, and um, it's it's a couple of hundred acres of um, prairie and woodland in, in, in the inner city here in Fort Worth. It's never been plowed. It has over 500 uh, species of uh, plants and thousands of other species on it. And in fact, it's just expanded because the city, through help of citizens, um, bought 50 more acres there. So wow. to me, this is fantastic because we know we're, we're maintaining biodiversity right in the middle of uh, Fort Worth. And, um, you know, eventually the, those plants may spread, you know, elsewhere, yeah, into um, other parts of the city. So uh, this, this is hands-on and it's a place where, you know, school kids go to learn about nature, etc., Something visceral, right? I think that's what we're looking for these days. Uh, not just an ideal, but how, how can we practice it? How can we put it into action in our lives? Yeah, that's great. And and to be able to get to experience nature in the heart of the urban, you know, setting, 
is also very important. You know, I that's actually part of my daily spiritual practice is to get out into nature every day. Um, there was this uh, this naturalist. Uh, his name was Michael McCarthy, I believe, mm-hmm. who who recently wrote a book uh, called "The Moth Snowstorm," and I heard him interviewed. I heard him interviewed and he said something like, you know, for 50,000 generations, we were the wildlife. We were just another species wandering the planet. And this is where we learned all of our instincts and our, you know, emotions were formed and our, you know, it, you know, be, you know, being in nature, you know, was, it was, was baked into our DNA and it's only been the last 500 generations, you know, since the, you know, advent of farming really that we were removed, you know, from that nature. So I guess what I'm saying is you can remove man from nature, but if it's baked into your DNA, so now we find ourselves, you know, in these concrete jungles and we're, you know, in our office cubicle with the the humming of the electric lights above us and our computer screen in our face. And when I started getting out into nature and I moved up into the mountains of North Carolina, so I'm lucky that I'm surrounded by a national forest. Um, but when I started going trail running and hiking and, and getting out, it was an accident. I had no idea I was going to feel physically this energy just that just shifts your whole being. Um, so, so it's great that, that these kids and you're supporting this, you know, nature in the city. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say to everybody, you know, wherever you are, seek out something that is of nature. You know, even if it's just the weed coming through the, the cracks, you see evidence of nature everywhere. Uh, look up into the air, you know, enjoy the sky, the changes in the weather, um, etc. You know, they're, they're all part of the flow and the cycle of this beautiful universe we're in, right? And as you mentioned in the book, Craig, you know, um, this isn't a battle between, um, well, you do call it a battle. <laughs> um, maybe we'll talk about that in the second segment. Sure, sure. It, it, it's not like we have to squelch one thing in order to have the other, right? We, we are, as Taya de Chardin said, you quote him, you, we are a spiritual being having a human experience, right? And, and um, it's important we understand the both-and nature of that. You know, that we are uh, this interesting conundrum, right, of body mind and spirit and and um, it's not a question of getting rid of the body so i can be sp- fully spiritual it's spiritualizing the whole of us right so that we uh, we we live um effortlessly in in our bodies right so um and this is, part of, this is part of mother nature too right is uh, oh. embra- embracing nature so that we can come back to the whole that we are in truth yeah for sure i'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because this is this is one of the one of the ways my book differs from others in this genre. Uh, a lot of the experts, you know, uh, who you know to, who write books on you know spirituality and such, they talk about the you know the that forgetting our divine nature is the root of all evil, and I I, don't, I believe there's nothing further from the truth. I I believe and that that forgetting our divine nature is a necessary natural stage in our evolution. Um, now I also strongly believe that remembering 
forgetting is natural, but so is remembering. And, you know, you know that, and I, and I'd like to touch on that a little bit later on, but um, also a lot of the experts say we must kill the ego and the separate self and we must silent the monkey mind. And again, I totally dis disagree with that. I, I see the ego, you know, it's kind of like, I, I think everyone has probably seen on TV or maybe in person, you know, someone breaking a wild horse. And I kind of look at the ego like that. You know, the, the master is not trying to kill this magnificent creature. You know, he's... He's trying to, to reach a compromise. And, and once a partnership is formed, you know, the two go on and live this long, healthy, happy life, you know, this long partnership together. And that's kind of how I see the ego. You know, again, I've, I've studied a lot of Yogananda's work. And, you know, again, he talks about, you know, the, the tamed ego is is very very important and it should be a, a partner you know I'm, I'm trying to lead everyone paul on a path to merger not not a path to murder you know i i, right. think, I think all facets of our being you know whether it's the mind made ego or it's our physical body you know there's no mistakes you know god didn't make mistakes these are all here for a reason and so, uh, you know, that's a big, that's a big uh, difference in my book that you'll see, you'll see in some others. So uh, as you just mentioned, I, I talk about how body and soul are equally important for this grand adventure that lies ahead. You know, Richard Rohr, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite authors, um, he's actually been a Catholic priest for 50 years and uh, he now says, you know, he's in his late 70s. And um, I think he's, <laughs> I, I've, I've listened to him speak, you know, many times on his podcast. And I think he's at a point in his life where he doesn't really care if he, you know, pisses off <laughs> anyone in the church. Right. Um, and he, you know, he's talking about what you and I are talking about right now, you know, the divine within and, you know, all of us, you know, being gods in disguise. and Absolutely. Yeah, wonderful he, man. Yeah, he clearly says, he says, you know what? He said, maybe humanity was not ready for this message 2,000 years ago. Let's hold, said, that, hold that thought, Craig, because we have yeah. to go to the break. Okay. Um, we're not ready right now, folks. We're taking a break, but we will be ready in three minutes to embrace this wonderful teaching. Join us after these messages from Unity. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. 
All right, welcome back to today's show. Yes, I'm Reverend Paul John Roach. We're talking about a wonderful book called I Am God in Disguise, and so are you. Uh, Craig Calavo is the author, and he's with me. We've been discussing many topics during the first half, and um, much food for thought. And so let's jump in, in into the second half of, of this. And we ended up talking about Richard Rohr, uh, the, uh, the Franciscan priest or friar, right, from Albuquerque, whose um, Center for Action and Contemplation has uh, been doing wonderful things. And of course, he has a podcast that uh, I think thousands of people listen to, uh, maybe hundreds of thousands. Uh, but he's speaking the same truth that we do in unity, but from a, a Catholic perspective. And, and this is refreshing. I think we need this message right today, this idea of moving beyond a dualism um, in, into a more unitive awareness, and we talked about that in terms of the the ego and and spirit. They they they're not meant to be. Um, one doesn't have to die so that the other one can can rise. There's an integration going on. Having said that, you know you mentioned uh, Yogananda, Craig, and and you know mm -hmm. and you you said that quote. You have to jump into the river and drown. Um, in the Sufism uh, tradition, Sufi tradition, they talk about fauna or annihilation. Um, there's these images of, um, you know, the end of something, you know, almost like a phoenix. Uh, it almost seems like something has to die. But I think it's the same as attachment. You know, it's not that we have to give up our stuff. We just give up our attachment to the stuff. And, and I think it's the same here. It's not that the, the whole of our humanness has to die. What has to die is an identification with it as the reality, right? Uh, it's, it's the misidentification that needs to go, that needs to be annihilated so we can see things as they truly are. And when, when that happens, you know, life becomes kind of an enjoyable thing. And I, I, I get that feeling from your book that when you discovered this and began to implement it, you know, you got excited because it was so much fun, right? There, there was this idea, oh, my God, this is cool. This, this uh, is beautiful. Yeah, well, not only that, but it was, it was, um, you know, there's, you know, we were talking about resisting surrender. I think what you were just talking about, about uh, the struggle of it and, and you know, that quote of, of jumping into the river, we, you know, there's a certain amount of destruction that must take place right. you know, before we can surrender. You know, they, there's this Carl Jung quote, you know, Carl Jung wrote this book, Stages of Life. And in it, he says, we cannot live the afternoon of life according to the program of life's morning. What was true in the morning will by evening have become a lie. And that is so true. So the reason it's so damn hard to surrender for most of us, me included, I was one of the stubborn ones, was, <laughs> was you know, we, we all built our foundations in the sand, you know, the foundations for our lives. If you think about it, you know, we were school kids when we started to build our foundations and our values. And um, when we get older and we become young adults and we, we start to, you know, realize that foundation's cracking and... And, you know, what a lot of these great prophets and sages and mystics and teachers talk about is, you know, there's a painful part that we have to go through. There's there's no skipping the step that, you know, there's a certain amount of destruction. We have to, you know, it's like one of those home improvement shows. We, It's demo day and we, we got to tear the old foundation out and, and start building a new. 
my my original intention for writing Paul was was just for my kids. You know, you talk about you know my excitement that that came with this discovery. So so I wanted to share with my kids you know, some of my aha moments and the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, I guess, I guess all parents feel this way at some point, you know, why should my kids have to go through the same crap, you know, that I've been through. So being a seeker for decades, I I've been journaling for many, many years and, and I pulled out these boxes of old dusty journals and I just, you know, started the project of, trying to organize and put things in, you know, chronological order. And I don't know, I guess it was about six months into the project where, you know, I kid you not, it was like this, this story just jumped off the page. It was, it was as if someone gave me a secret treasure map, but, but the way the universe works, this map was in puzzle form and these pieces were, were given to me, you know, over decades. But but the exciting part was now I had it. I I had this this map and it was together. It was it was almost as if I've solved that big cosmic riddle, you know, the one that asks what's the meaning of life. So so quickly I I changed my original intention for writing and you know, I knew I couldn't just keep this just for me and my kids. And, you know, I had this strong pull or desire to, you know, put it in book form and, and to share it with others. So, so yeah, as you, the way you introduced me as a spiritual activist, I guess that's my, my new goal is to, if you, if you turn on the news or read the paper, I think everyone would agree that we need more awakened beings on this planet right now. And, and that's, that's my goal behind this book, you know, whether you're brand new to this path or if you've been a seeker for decades, you know, maybe this book can give you some new insights or shine some light on the path. If, if Paul, if I'm, if I'm speaking to the choir or preaching to the choir, that's okay too, because, you know, we need to inspire each other and to kind of lead by example. So, you know, maybe, maybe this book will, uh, you know, be some, some people's entryway. Absolutely. And there's always something to learn. One of the things that fascinates me too, is that it's not, this journey is not necessarily linear, right? Um, we, we tend to think in terms of linear progression and, and it's not, it's not always like that. We can get a full recognition of the truth at one moment and then lose it the next, right? Or we can be doing really good work in, 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 in manifesting things at one point and then that we get a dry patch and, and sometimes our evolution seems to speed up. Other times it seems to be a, a long grind, you know? So, so I think we have to, uh, at any given stage, you know, these books or inspiration can be helpful because, you know, we may say, oh, well, I knew all that, but then I need the reminder. <laughs> I need it to be stated in a 
in a slightly different way that, that helps me renew my my commitment to this. So I, I think in all those ways, you know, I think a lot of people when they first come on the spiritual path, the, their evolution does split, speed up. And this is true for you because I think you said that you went to and you weren't really interested in it, but you were sort of guided. You, you went to a, um, a Course in Miracles meeting, followed by a, a, a service at a Unity Church, followed by um, finding out for the first time about Wayne Dyan and attending one of his or reading one of his books. Uh, it's like, bam, wham, you know, and in, one, in one day there, were, there was all these um, messages from spirit, right? The universe was speaking. And uh, I think at that time you were more interested in, the, you know, the cocktail hour than you were in spirituality <laughs> or whatever. And, and that's part of your story right you talk about we we, had, we have various ways to avoid the the transformation you know and, and alcohol and drug addiction can be can be a huge one and, and that's very true in the west uh, where so many people are you know habituated to to substances it's a real problem um and it keeps us numb doesn't it, it keeps us from being um uh, you know, powerful enough to, to to go into this epic battle that you talk about, right? right. Uh, this, this struggle um, to to release our sleeping giant, as you as you call the you know the essence of who we are, right? And in the end, though, the sleeping giant and the bodyguard become buddies. The, the, you know, this is there's a Hollywood movie in the making here. I think, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, I I appreciate that, and you know, I'm just sitting here listening to you, and and you you're doing a better job than me just simply explaining this. You know, if I could, this might be a great time. I'd like to just just put my message in a nutshell, if you don't mind, Paul. Sure, please. Yeah, yeah. So I believe that we are all born into this world as body and soul. And, and as I mentioned earlier, I believe both body and soul, both of these entities are equally important for this adventure that lies ahead. And in the book, I call it our primal way. And the reason I call it that is the word primal or primordial is the definition of that is an organism's original stage of development. So, so we're born into this world, body and soul. And, and really the way I see birth, I see, I feel like we are, we are literally being pulled from an invisible world of pure energy, pure spirit into the world of form. And I mean, even doctors will will tell you that some somewhere between the 22nd and 30th day after conception that the spark just appears from nowhere and you know they'll say it's the heartbeat but you know in all practical purposes the heart's not even formed yet at 22 days right you know for, for those who are waiting for the second coming let me tell you something this is it this mm. is one this is when your soul, your spirit enters the body. And um, anyway, so sometime during our early development, and, and I can't really pinpoint, you know, whether it's when you're a toddler or when you're an infant, but sometime during our early development, I believe that the soul, the spirit, that divine part of ourselves voluntarily takes the back seat you know, more or less goes into hibernation and we, we will quickly, you know, develop kind of a temporary amnesia and we forget about that part of our nature. And I, I've actually jotted down just a, 
a quick little excerpt. Uh, do, you, do you mind if I read it real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Because it, it, it's really pretty concise on on explaining this part of our of the of the path as we transition from the world of spirit to the world of form we find ourselves in a very strange place as spiritual beings having this human experience we feel fear for the first time this primal fear leads to the creation of the bodyguard who will become our loyal partner for years to come our true self must step aside for this portion of our adventure. The sleeping giant will soon become a distant memory. This temporary amnesia is necessary during this phase of our journey. The sleeping giant will awaken when the time is right, but for now we have much to learn. So that kind of tells you, you know, how I believe going from birth you know, leading into the school of life. And, and you mentioned addictions. Um, I believe that when, when the soul and our spirit kind of goes into this temporary hibernation and we enter the school of life and it's time for us to, to learn how to, you know, be human, our survival depends on it. We, we feel this empty void and this, this void is, is created or caused by that separation or that illusion of separation from our source, from that divine part of our nature that's temporarily missing. And the longer we linger in the school of life, the longer it takes us to finally look within and discover or rediscover that divine part of our nature the greater the chance that we're going to fall victim to addictions because we're looking to external sources to fill the void. And again, I, I'm, I'm the guilty, I'm the stubborn one. I had a very, very high level of pain tolerance and the school of life, you know what? It's like any school. It's going to give you lessons and tests every day. And if we are unaware and if we ignore our lessons, again, like any school, if we ignore our lessons, we're going to fail our tests. And the school of life is going to give us harder and harder and hard, progressively more painful lessons until we finally get beaten down. It wears us down. In a mystical way, pain is good. It'll eventually force us all to look within. And um, as we're bumping along on this path and going through the school of life and ignoring all of these guide signposts, you know, we're going to try different things. And, you know, I was a mess. I was, you know, using and abusing drugs and alcohol. I was, you know, chasing, you know, the almighty dollar. And, uh, it took me a long time before I finally, you know, literally put my head in my hands and looked within and I said those magic words, oh my God, is there more to life than this? And I kid you not, I mean, that sleeping giant started to awaken with those words. And it was like I unlocked the door and the universe kicked it open. And all of a sudden, just coincidentally, and I'm, I'm putting quotations, air quotes around the word coincidence, all of a sudden, 
books and people and events start showing up in my life. You know, like you just mentioned, I was invited to go to Unity Church, even though I was begging, I was telling the people, no, no, I'm not a religious guy. I don't want to go to church. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then when I was at Unity Church, you know, they uh, they announced that Wayne Dyer was coming to give uh, give a lecture. And, and that was my introduction to Wayne Dyer. And and then friends of mine I met, who I met at the church took me to A Course in Miracles. So all this stuff, the universe wants you to succeed. But if you're unaware, you're going to miss all these guideposts. Right. So yeah, it was exciting, Paul. Absolutely, always. Well, a couple of things come to mind here. You know, Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of Unity, said that what he was intent upon doing was returning to primitive Christianity, you know, primal Christianity, which is similar to what you're saying, right? Back to back to the reality of it, not not all the ecclesiastical stuff, but but the heart of it. And and another great uh, Unity minister, Eric Butterworth, who wrote wonderful books, uh, he's talked about the fall of man as a fall forward, which sort of fits into what you're saying, you know, a necessary amnesia, if you like. We lost it, but you you can't find it unless you lose it, right? That's the gift within loss is finding. And um, there's always that. That compensation. The third thing is, uh, the, what you're saying reminds me of uh, a bit of a pessimist, uh, Bruce Springsteen. He, he said, um, you and I, we were the pretenders. We let it all slip away. But in the <laughs> end, in the end, what you don't surrender, the world just strips away. And I thought there's a lot of truth to that. You know, if you, if you were resisting, if you keep um, persisting in your in your um, you know, resistance, then the, the world tends to strip it away anyway, right? That's the, that's what it's trying to do for you. It's trying to help you let go. <laughs> but, yes. uh, you know, there's, there's suffering, as my professor used to say, there's suffering, and then there's useless, unnecessary suffering. <laughs> and I think some of it, you know, we all suffer in life, but, you know, sometimes we put ourselves through useless, unnecessary suffering because um, we resist so much, you know, with hard cases, as you say, you, you know, was true for you. Right, right. Well, you know, it reminds me of your poem uh, that say, don't say poem. I, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I don't know if that was your intention, but uh, when I read that, it kind of reminded me of awakening and you so eloquently put it into such such a short little uh, stance, you know, just a few words, uh-huh. you know, oh. so, it, so it's like we are all on our spiritual path, whether we know it or not. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what that meant to me. That was that was really cool how you um, how you put that. Well, cool. Thank you for uh, looking at my site and uh, finding that poem. That's neat. Yeah. And folks, yeah, I did write a little poem a little while ago called Say, Don't Say about the new year, I think. And um, just like we're talking about, you know, the the choices that we have, you can go to pauljohnroach.com and and find it there. But thanks. Thanks for that reference. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. We only have a few minutes left. Let's let's shift to um, some tools we might use. I know I know you're a, you're a big into the idea of the creative power of imagination, right? And mm. some of the tools we could use: meditation, visualization, affirmation. So all in in some sense invoke and use the the power of imagination to to image. We I talked about this on a previous show. You we remember stories, teaching stories. 
because their imagery, you know, they they help us, and it's the same with the sleeping giants and the and, and the bodyguard. You know, these are images that, that we can get grasp hold of. Oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, so it's useful, isn't it, to image something because that's the way we learn most most keenly. I think. Oh, I love I love doing visual. You know, it's first of all, I just want to I want to point out that having a daily spiritual practice is so important because and you mentioned it uh just a few minutes ago you said something about it's so easy to forget you know it's 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 kind of it's relatively easy to be in this state of awareness when we're in the middle of a meditation or on our yoga mats but to to take this awareness off the mat and into the world, so to speak, and to live it, you know, as you're walking through Times Square, you know, if, if you, uh, if you have that experience, that is the challenging part. So, so yes, my daily spiritual practice includes visualizations uh, combined with affirmation and meditation. And I, I have an order that I use. At first, I do some affirmations. And, you know, I write new affirmations every day. And it's not rocket science. It's, you know, it really boiled down. The, the words that follow I am are probably the most important words you'll ever speak. So just remember that and write down whatever you happen to be working on you know, in the moment or in the day or in this year. So, so yeah, I write new affirmations, you know, almost daily. Um, as a matter of fact, I've got a real, a short one written here right now that I, I recite since I haven't memorized, I probably repeat it three times, four times a day. If I'm sitting in traffic or walking through the woods, um, I put my hand on my chest. You know, people will ask me, they'll say, you know, you talk about all the rewards of surrender, but how do you do it? I mean, do you have to be, you know, an evolved mystical, you know, guru? And the answer is no. In a real, real practical sense, all you have to do is put your hand on your chest and repeat this simple affirmation. I surrender. I devote myself to you. I am Superman, servant of the soul, vehicle for your expression. This is our disguise. Show me the way. And by the way, the word Superman is abbreviation for supernatural human. There's no reference to gender. So anyone can use this affirmation. And I'm telling you, Paul, that is so powerful. If you, I, I promise, if you use that affirmation three times a day before your feet hit the ground in the morning, getting out of bed, do it at midday, lunchtime, and before you go to sleep at night, you miracles will begin to happen and you'll start to see a shift. But in, in addition to the affirmations and meditations um, and, and visualizations, yeah, I believe imagination is the mind of God. So yeah, if you can imagine it and vividly see how you want your world to unfold, the universe starts to act on that and starts to, starts to uh, set your path or your course on that, on that journey. But just as important, I, I believe that eating a really healthy diet, drinking tons of water, exercising every day, getting a good night's sleep, 
again, I mean, if, if I'm going to be a vehicle for God's expression, I want to be a freaking Ferrari. I mean, <laughs> there we go. Right. I mean, body and soul are in this together. I mean, if, if we are meant to be, you know, God's expression, I mean, how many burning bushes can there be? You know, <laughs> God, God needs us to express. That's what creation is all about. Right. So, so we have to take care of our bodies or we're not going to be any good to anyone. Excellent advice. Um, and by the way, folks, on page 90 of the book is a, a poster that Craig's put together, an affirmation poster. And uh, there's some wonderful statements on, on that, too. The book is available on all the usual outlets. Uh, if people want to get hold of you, what's the best way? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Amazon.com yeah, is, is obviously the best way to pick up the book real quick. If right. you, again, again, you get the ebook. It goes to water.org, which I really appreciate. And uh, I do have a website, which is a great place for me to interact with readers. I post a weekly blog and and I have some other inspirational posters and prints that I that I offer. And that website address is awesomelife.com. The only trick is there's no E at the end of awesome. It's A-W-E-S-O-M. L-I-F-E dot com. And you'll get it. It's kind of a play on words with the OM symbol, O-M. Right. Got it. Okay. Let me tell you about next week, and then we can say goodbye to Craig. I wish we could talk for another hour because this is fascinating stuff. Um, but we're at the end of the show. Next week, I'll, I'll be welcoming back to our show um, Will Johnson. And this time he's going to talk about his latest book, Breathing as Spiritual Practice, Experiencing the Presence of God. He took a 10-day pilgrimage uh, retreat to Christ in the Desert Monastery, wrote this book all about uh, the power of breathing. Fascinating. Um, join me then. But right now, thank you, Craig, for a wonderful show. Enjoy hey. it so much. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And I really appreciate being able to connect a little bit with your audience. Absolutely. And thanks for listening, folks. Keep this voice of an awakening world on the air. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.